All right, and because three is a crowd, I am here today once again with Kelly in the bunker. How's it going, Kelly? Uh, I forgot to open my beer again. How are you? Good. Why don't you go ahead and open it? Not intrusive at all. <laughs> this is Sign on the Window, where we take a random Bob Dylan song that we choose at random, and we listen to it for an entire week. We let it seep through. We see how it affects the way we see the world and other music and all kinds of stuff. So it's mostly a Bob Dylan podcast because we explore what's going on, but we also talk about lots of other stuff as we'll get into later. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for pretty much my entire life, at least the last half of my life. And Kelly's heard about the same number of songs as there are letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Ooh. It's nice. So today we are looking at 1967's The Summer of 67, The Summer of Love, almost basically 50 years ago now. Clothesline Saga off of it was released on the 75 basement tapes but is a part of the legendary basement tapes after a while we took in the clothes nobody said very much just some old wild shirts and a couple pairs of pants which nobody really wanted to touch mama come in and picked up a book and papa asked All right, so before we get into the song itself, I think it's best not only to set up a little context, not only about the song, but also about laundry in particular. So first, we'll do the song. So uh, this song, like I mentioned before, was recorded late summer 1967. There's no indication when uh, it happened. Um, But there's obviously a lot written about the basement tapes. So I think it's best if we sort of delve into it a little bit. So um, Kelly, how did you feel right off the bat about just musically, before we kind of dig into it, how did you feel with uh, with the song this week? It's really fun. I like it. It has the same kind of weird, lonesome western bar feel to me, like saloon, tired saloon. Like at three in the morning where everybody's already gone to bed, but the people are still like, but I want to play music. Yeah. And it's really fun. I like it. And you get the tired guy up there. Mm-hmm. Like, Let me tell you a story. I'm not going to open my mouth when I sing this one because I'm too <laughs> fucking tired and drunk. I love uh, Grau Marcus, who wrote a book on the whole Basement Tapes. He, he summed it up perfectly. He said, quote, everything in the music is circular. Robbie Robertson plays a lazy guitar so slowly, only Garth Hudson's organ coming in after the narrator as if what is describing might actually turn out to be interesting someday keeps the song from coming to a complete stop. End quote. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. And true. I can see that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I mean, obviously this is something that we know the Basement Tapes. These are songs that are you know sort of practice before the record buttons hit so we don't get to hear the ins and outs of them like trying to play the song we kind of get the final version of it but even in that these songs are pretty ramshackle and sort of all over the place and even with this i love that description because it's almost like is this our recording take bob like did you hit play who knows let's just like it's almost like everything's a rehearsal who knows what the actual like finished version if there ever was a finished version you know for them they're just kind of playing songs writing songs, trying to be creative. And so I kind of always saw it as that. Um, I love the way that Dylan sings it. You know, the way he's just completely droll. It's like woozy. Yeah. Laconic. You know, all these words, Highland and Grile, and everyone is, has used, which I find really interesting. Um, I think uh, all Dylan put it best. He said, quote, it's like an episode of Seinfeld dropped into the 19th century with the second reel of a science fiction movie shoved in there rather inappropriately. It might well be the funniest of the officially released Basement Tapes. 
I kind of think it is. I think it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's great. And then we'll get into like, is it parody or is it not? Because the next thing we want to talk about, something that we both, uh, well, you obviously have never heard the song before, so this is all brand new for you. But for me, I never even, I, I don't think I ever knew the song existed. Ode to Billy Joe. Yeah, I've heard that song before. You have heard mm-hmm. that song. Jesus. I, if I had heard that song, there was no point where I connected the two together. Well, I didn't either. And upon, like, I yes, I've heard that song before. Would I be able to, like, say, Oh, to Billy Joe is the name of it or whatever? No. But then when you had it on the playlist, I was like, oh, my God, I know this song. This is the same song. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's like everyone's sitting around, I guess, in, in the song, uh, Billy Joe takes his own life. And it's told from the perspective of a family sort of talking it over, you know, past the green, the black eyed peas or whatever, mm-hmm. um, sort of not dealing with death. And obviously Dylan does not not exactly death per se, but, you know, the vice president's gone mad, but we're just going to really zoom in on this laundry over here. Oh, so that song real quick. I know it's about like a kid jumping off a bridge. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. The Waxahachie or whatever. Uh, the t- tax, ta- Tallahatchie. Tallahatchie Bridge. Yeah. So, I don't know. Which is actually the river that Emmett Till was thrown into. Oh, no shit. So there's a line in the story of that song that's like, oh, the priest, priest, or priest, wow, priest or preacher, I know, I don't know, came by and was talking about that boy up on the, hey, there was a girl that looked a lot like you up there too that day. And I was like, oh shit, did she kill him? Like, did you miss that? No, yeah. Yeah, And then the priest came by the next day and talking about. What's his name? Billy Joe. Though. Yeah. And, and yeah, I know, saw, saw a girl look just like you up on that bridge, too. I was like, what? That's a twist. And that's that why that's the number one twist. <laughs> that's why Summer Love was like, wait, wait, wait. My story's on. You got to – I'll get back to the fucking <laughs> – but I got to watch this first. <laughs> yes. Did that girl just kill that? Did, does she have a dragon? And, I mean, she's like – at the end, she's like, I go up that bridge and I throw flowers off oh. just to watch them fall in the water. <laughs> You didn't like. I no, guess you, clearly. Just, like, went way over. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, I think I listened to it like two or three times. Mm-hmm. I I was li- obviously listening to that for more of the style, but I think that's kind of. Oh, ooh. Well, that's a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah. Um. All right. So to close out, before we get into the history of laundry, uh, Dylan in Chronicles uh, notes quote: "Folk songs were the underground story. If someone were to ask what's going on, Mr. Garfield's been shot, laid down. Nothing you can do." That's what's going on. Nobody needed to ask who Mr. Garfield was. They just nodded. They just knew. And I think that this is one of those communities where you don't, you know, you almost don't have to say it. Mm-hmm. It's like, vice president's gone mad. Yeah, we know. We're all, we're all living with it. But we're kind of, you know, we're keep, we keep going. Mm-hmm. Either we're keeping on to keep on or we are pretending it doesn't exist. And I think this song functions definitely as both, which is not an original thought, but definitely something that I totally agree with. So. Okay, so before we get into the song itself and our thoughts and all of that, I tasked you last week to tell me the history of laundry in general, washing machines, clothes lines, anything that you could possibly dig up. You are my information. Tell me about the history of laundry. Ancient Rome. (laughs) First off is public laundry offer, public laundry services. Uh, Launderers were called felones? Sure. Ancient Romans wore a lot of wool, and by a lot of, I mean exclusively wool, and Italy was hot. So people needed their clothes unnasty to pretty often because you're going to sweat. Did they all wear togas? That's just a lie. Maybe. I'm sure. I think that's just a caricature. Well, I've literally like... listened to two histories of Rome. And you don't know? Like, I no idea. Don't, no, I don't care. exactly know. I don't want to speak like I know. 
Because yeah. I don't know. Do well, we assume they wear togas? Yes. The democratic elite always depicted wearing that, but I doubt they're like commoner. Maybe yeah. No, I maybe you're right. Yeah, it's like you're gonna head up into you know the Senate before the Empire came. You're gonna wear those togas, yeah. and you, you know they're always depicted as silk, but they ain't got silk. No, no, yeah, that's the thing that they have. They're wool. They yeah. didn't have cotton. I feel like movies have lied to me. Oh well, but that's for another day. <laughs> uh, the reason we know about laundry from ancient Rome is uh, there was a guy Pliny or something Pilney uh-huh. that wrote about it, but. The most clear examples were explained by paintings from a Folonica, Folonica, which is the way you say laundromat uh, in Pompeii. It's a long they found. word. It's not. I just can't say it. Folonica, laundromat, Folonica, pretty similar. Uh, it was a, a man's job. I don't know why it needed to be, but wash. <laughs> they were washing big tubs and then stomped all over by the Folones, the guys oh. doing the laundry. They were then hung to dry, presumably on clotheslines, but I could not confirm, <laughs> in the street in front of the Felonica. See, it's not that nice. hard. No. When you can actually just, you know, read the letters you've written on the page. That's true. After drying, the wool was brushed, and then words I don't know, and carded to raise the nap. I don't know what that means. Uh, they used thorny plants and hedgehog skin to comb, or like brush, whatever the word. No shit. Hedgehog skin. Yeah, Whoa. man. I mean, it's pretty ingenious. That's, That's great. Funny. I Good. would assume hedgehogs don't exist in Rome. But that's I guess they me. did. Yeah, uh, and then clothes were hung in baskets uh, above sulfur to help whiten them. Oh, what that's nice. got to smell terrible. What was oh, the yeah. point of washing them? Yeah. Well, uh, we would say that today, but they're probably like, get that sulfur shine. Well, you got to get them togas white, right? That's the that's whole true. white, 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 white togas. Uh, medieval Europe. Mm, skipping, just skipping ahead. <laughs> Sulfur's gone. The dark ages are here. You were on your filthy ass own. No public laundries in medieval no, Europe. No. Clothes are washed on riverbanks with special laundry tools like washing bats and scrubbing boards. See that? The scrubbing board is something. I get that. You still see those in, yeah. like, in movies. Yeah, like what? They're just called washboards? Yeah, yeah washboards. Yeah. There you go. That's why we want washboard abs. Yeah. Used to, those were used to agitate the clothes in the running water. So they would beat the shit out of the clothes while they were in the water yeah. to make them clean, to force the dirt out and smooth clothes while drying because there were no irons then. Although it seems like old school irons where they're just literally a lump of steel or iron, presumably, <laughs> that you heat in a fire and then smash onto the clothes, you would think that that I would love that there would be a social construct where you make fun of somebody for not having, like, an, an iron. iron. Like, you didn't ore your own iron to oh iron God. your weird shirt that's clearly, like, not a business attire. I think you're such a lazy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was smelting for like three hours yesterday. You could totally do this. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, clothes were laid flat on the ground to dry slash bleach in the sun. No sulfur for medieval Europeans. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. It wasn't done often, except for the delicates. Like um, even up to the 1800s, or I guess even the early 1900s in America, people had detachable collars. So like you have a shirt, but then the collar you could remove. You know, like yeah, no, I do. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Why? Because that would be the spot that would get uh, nasty first, because that's where all the sweat's happening. Oh, yeah, happening I know. Right all there. about that. Then, that's why uh, you just don't wear shirts with collars. We can do that. I guess we both are wearing shirts with collars. Sure are. Like an idiot. So, uh, so those in, like, lace anything or, like, delicate clothes would get washed often, but the other stuff, they would just do, like, once a month. Because it's, what a process. You have to find a river yeah. and then beat the crap out of your clothes. <laughs> so. Gotta hire someone else to do it. Later, soap is made from ash lye and animal fat. It's used by washerwomen, which wasn't explained. I consulted one website. 
by the way, for this information, that one website, the Ontario Home Economics Association. So if it wasn't on that site, I don't know about it. I think it's legit. Yes. I trust Canada. The washerwomen were paid for their, I don't know, it wasn't, again, explained for maybe just the soap or perhaps they actually washed, I don't know when this came in, but uh, it was not common for poor people to be able to use soap, go figure, because they couldn't access it easily. Right. It became more widespread in the 18th century, but people still didn't commonly use it for their entire wash. Like, they might use it for those delicate things like the collars or whatever, but not for all of it. Okay, first washing machines. Yes. 1782. A cage with wooden rods. 1782. Not like we know. Yeah, clearly. It's a cage with wooden rods and a handle for turning. So it kind of looked like a weird, uh, like a, like imagine a stool, the four legs of a stool, right? Yeah. Uh sitting uh, attached to the top of like a, a lid to that you so here's a bucket and you have like four legs of a stool attached to the lid so when you close the lid the stool goes in there and then you can turn it right yeah right. then they had something that looked like a pasta machine that i'm assuming is for something else i don't know maybe drying it maybe you have yeah, to bring out the yeah, yeah. yeah. and like to further yeah upset the clothes into being clean <laughs> true <laughs> whatever yes um 1851 revolving drum hand cranked machines yeah, okay. so i guess that's kind of Going towards what we have now, uh-huh. manual machines mimicked hand washing by uh, having like plates of metal that would rub against each other, and the clothes would go through those, which makes sense. Yeah. And uh, in the early 1900s, the first electric washer appeared in the U.S. And For then sure. agitators, which I don't know how that's different than any of those things, happened at some point. I don't know. I couldn't care anymore. So it's an agitator, right? Yeah, I think it's the thing. If you're looking at a not a vertical washer where you have the circle in the middle of it that you can like see the clothes in, yeah. but the top loading washers, yeah. the thing that spins, I think, is called the agitator. Oh wow! Yeah. And so that was a huge agitation on. Yeah. Because that's what makes the clothes get cleaner. Because like I guess oh, they're just oh, spinning oh, a they're circle. Just spinning and that thing's like getting right. it. Yeah. Agitating. Agitating. Because it. it's kind of like beating it, but this time you're just agitating it. Right, right, right. So instead of beating the clothes, you just piss them off. Right in the spinning drum thing. Nice. Clotheslines. Yes. Let's talk about some clotheslines. I couldn't get any kind of facts of when they appeared because really it's just taking a <laughs> string and running it across some shits. How long did that take to figure out how many people had to come up with it? It's probably just a thing that happened, right? Yeah, totally. But I found out there is some shit going on in America, surprise, surprise, that called right to dry. There's only 19 states in the country that have laws on the books that are right to dry states, meaning that everywhere else in the country, HOAs can say, you can't dry your clothes in right. your backyard because uh, HOAs are shitheads. Yes. So there are only 19 states in the country that's like, no matter what, you can dry your goddamn clothes in your yard if you want to. And that's crazy. That's nuts. That it's, a, like, not illegal. Obviously, you would just pay your HOA fines. But I think you can get, like, kicked out. I, do you know what states are? Or no, not? I didn't look into that. But I didn't even think about drying clothes. Like, my mom used to hang up certain things. But, like, while we were in Europe, everyone has a clothes dry, like a, a rack that they yeah. hang their clothes on uh, to dry. And I was like, holy shit, dryers just aren't a thing anywhere else yeah. because they cost a lot of money to run. And they run. don't have a lot of space there, too. That, too. So we actually just bought a clothes rack for ourselves because we liked it so much that it's better for your clothes, it's better for the environment, right. and it's better for your wallet because you're not spending that electricity. It's it's good. Dry racks are good. Or dry you could have a clothesline, which is really the, the moral yeah, story. Yeah, that'd be fun. You should get a clothesline for your place. I, wait, I just said we have a drying rack. Drying rack, but I'm saying a clothesline. Do the clothesline out what, through the window. apartment? No, just like outside. No, just like gonna do that. all the way across no. the street and stuff. Although we set up a crazy rig at the place we were staying at in Chiang Mai because that's like when we figured it all out that people don't have dryers, but they always have washers. So it took like this weird plastic twine and hung it all over the balcony of the 
hotel apartment thing we were staying at. Yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. I liked it. See, that's nice. I mean, it pro- how long does it take? A day, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, there it's really humid, so it took so a little longer. But we do it even in our apartment. It takes yeah. a day. Yeah. Like, it's totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. So there you go. Boom. Oh. History. Yes. Real quick tangent. So there's a type of drying rack called the clothes horse. Imagine X's stacked on top of each other vertically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In between those X's, they have poles, right? That's called the clothes horse. You know what else a clothes horse is? Somebody who's really into fashion. You know what? People in the 1850s who were really into fashion were also called fops if they were men. And then some other Quantrell if they were women. Okay. That, those words actually, though, date back to the 1440s. The first time that someone was called a fop, meaning like in a, I guess a, a guy who yeah. cared too much, like wikipedia quote unquote who foolishly cared too much about his own appearance right fop fop foppish which yeah, I do. Foppish, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely a word so there you go wow close horse we've foppish. learned so much yeah thanks kelly you're welcome he said you always help out around here with the chores i said sometime not all the time then my neighbor he Papa yelled outside. Mama wants you to come back in the house and bring them clothes. All right, so as for the song itself. Uh, you know, we've got the context, we've got the whole history of laundry. I mean, Which we desperately need. <laughs> desperately needed. Uh, there's so much packed in to Clothesline. I mean, it is a saga. Now, I, I kind of laughed at the word saga, but now I know the weight of history behind <laughs> the drying of the clothes. So saga is definitely apt. I think that this song is a lot funnier when you don't know that it's an ode to... The ode Billy, to Billy Joe. To Billy Joe, yeah. I think it's I think it's a lot, lot funnier because it just comes off as kind of a silly thing. And I think what's weird, and maybe I want to ask you this too, because you're way more familiar with the song than I am, but... Listening to the song, obviously I was not listening to it that deeply, mm. but I never – I don't see this as a parody. I don't think that what's being said is like mocking the original oh, or no. anything like that. But I think people are taking it that way or have taken it that way as to be kind of joking about how it's sung, joking about – I don't know, the characters. It just seems really – that that cannot be the correct like take from this because I see it as like an answer song. It's just this is a song. And Bob Dylan and the band are answering it. It's just kind of we're doing it in the same style and we're putting a different spin on it. So uh, did you feel like it was mocking it or if, or it was just one of those sort of like no, – I don't no, know what really a, I don't know what a, like a modern you know, equivalent is to it. Like if someone were to write a song and then I were to respond to it. I mean the only thing I could possibly think – and this is again getting real deep into like very specific knowledge. But Against Me came out with an album in 2010 – uh, where they have a song called I Was a Teenage Anarchist. Uh, the Revolution Was Alive, or some of the lyrics inside of it. And the chorus says, do you remember when we were young and wanted to set the world on fire? Mm-hmm. And then Rise Against uh, came back and was basically saying, do you remember when we wanted to set the world on fire? We still want to set the world on fire. That's like the most equivalent thing I can think of, of one song answering another, obviously within a within a community. There was a war.
just those bands share an overlapping audience. But it is weird when you're on a pop culture framework because I'm sure there's a lot more people responding to, you know, big name artists or something like that. But I think it probably happens more than we would pick up on. True. But uh, I didn't take that as this. I didn't take it in any mean spirited way for sure. I don't think it's similar enough to be that. If that makes sense, like this is definitely a very similar song. However, I don't think the lyrics and the intention are similar enough for it to be a parody. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of a stretch. I think you have to make more pointed comments that would lead you to that conclusion for that to be a thing. So it's weird that people make that jump. Yeah, I think that's very strange. Um, So what I wanted to talk about is kind of to get away from Billy Joe and let him RIP in peace over there in the Tallahatchie River. Where he possibly got pushed to his death. Where he possibly got pushed <laughs> to his death. We're going to let that one go. But we're going to get to the crux of this song. So instead of lyrically diving in, which there have been great minds, great people looking at this, um, I will try to link to a lot of the sources that I've been looking at and stuff because people are doing a really great job in sort of parsing through the language of the people and how they're how it's being used. But I think we're going to take a, as you do on a podcast, take kind of a big little, big brush and sort of swipe across some stuff. So the one thing I want to talk about is the vice president going yeah. mad. Was kind there of, like a specific event on January 30th? No, no. Oh, okay. So that's one of that's where people point to this idea of uh, dating the song. This obviously doesn't say like a folk song would, you know, on July 30th, 1844. You know, it's like right. this doesn't do that. The other one didn't either. It gave a date. Uh, but so or no. Yeah, they both gave dates. So, no, I don't think anything necessarily happened. I mean, not that I could find. Um, but the vice president at the time was uh, Hubert Humphrey, um, who was a Minnesota politician, just so happened to be a Minnesotan. Just like Bob Dylan. Just like Bob Dylan. <laughs> but a lot of people read it as the vice president has gone mad, which looking back 50 years ago, which we'll get to in a moment, is sort of – it's just a quaint little world that we're talking about. <laughs> and so we're talking about a, a man who stood up against – stood for civil rights, stood against the KKK – a man of principle, a man of, you know, liberal, New Deal, progressive, um, you know, values. And he was also a firm advocate of the Vietnam War, which was happening right now. And so a lot of people are reading it as Hubert Humphrey, as the VP, has gone mad. And so the news is essentially, here's this guy that we trust. He follows our values. But look at him. He's going off to war and he's advocating all of this. Like, he's lost his mind. He's lost his shit. That's that read. I mean, if you want to get into the deep political abyss of 50 years ago, you can certainly do that. I don't think that we are qualified for that. Um, so I'm just going to say if we just take vice president out and we put the president and we put ourselves 50 years later pretty much on the dot, I think this song resonates even more. Yeah. I think this song is we as a collective nation are taking our clothes off of the dryer, off of the clothesline. And going to the door, opening it, walking through, shutting the door, and we are not talking about anything yeah, at all. To me, it's like we're going in to watch Turner Classic Movies, create some utopian version of the world that never existed, and refusing to come to terms with what's actually happening. So we hear about stuff. And a lot of people talk about the rule setting of this song, and for me, that's all – that's well and good. I mean, the history of America – and especially when we think of like folk tradition and stuff like that. Yeah, these are waylaid communities that don't get the news. You know, it's like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was shot. Well, I heard about it 14 years later. Like, yes, that's a real thing. 
today, that's not the case. Even rural America has the internet and gets push notifications on their phone. But I feel like we have created rural communities of our own where we disappear off into our own little places where we don't connect with other people that aren't like us or don't listen to the same stuff or whatever the case may be. It's not just political. And so when you think about what they're doing in the story, it's essentially people talking about the weather. That's what Grial Marcus says. It's like he the, – the main character, the boy, who you know, essentially the guy's asking questions and he thinks in his head what the answers are and then he answers something different. And Grial Marcus sees that as – you know, we all know to turn everything to the weather. We don't talk about Judgment Day. We don't talk about death. We don't talk about anything. Everything goes back to the weather. Everything goes back to small talk. And so this boy has been trained well to just bring it all back to, to ground zero. And so even when there's, like, questions being probed, he doesn't have even the social, you know, wherewithal to start opening up. Even if this man across the way, this, this neighbor across the fence or whatever, has questions for him and he seems like a weirdo. There's just no dialogue between them. So yeah. it's just a stilted nothing. So even if you are in this rural community, you kind of retreat back into your your ruralness. So that's how I saw it, at least. Yeah, I saw it just as a goofy song about nothing. <laughs> well, I guess about literally taking clothes off of a clothesline. But... <laughs> well, I mean, they were literally taking clothes off the clothesline. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. that was the beginning and end of it for me. Well, I mean, what do you think about the people in it then? Well, I mean, there's the mom and the dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, what's your take on them? I mean, uh, are they sheltering their kid? Are they, you know, because all their actions have repercussions. I mean, even if we're not digging that deep into them, that's what, you, that's what we're doing is looking at we've met a mom, we've met a dad, we've met a kid, we've met a weird neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing in this story? Yeah, well, I think you pretty much said, yeah. like, they just, they don't want to talk about anything, which... To be fair, I don't know how much I want to get into stuff with my neighbor either. <laughs> well, I know, but that's the point, right? We're supposed to love thy neighbor and be open to thy neighbor. And, and it's not just your neighbor. Like, yes, I don't want to go next door to your weirdo neighbors that are barking like the moon or whatever. Like, I don't want to know them personally. But I want to know my cube mate. I want to know the person that I work with. I want to know the people I go to shows with. Yeah. But we're not always that open now, and we've got all of our – we got everything we need in our phones, too. We don't really always have to communicate. I don't know. That's just – that's taking a, a super old person lament and sort of even bringing it into being a 30-year-old. I mean you start to notice that stuff where it's like – and I do it, too. Everyone does it. It's just the way it is. Because this is the first Basement Tape song where we're actually able to listen to the Basement Tapes, like listen to Bob Dylan – Actually hear Yeah. <laughs> so we've only – we've heard King of France. We've heard uh, Don't You Try Me Now. This is a weird song because he's obviously putting on a, a vocal charade. I mean, it's part of the whole shtick. I mean, all, the rest of the songs aren't like this. I mean, he's doing this for a very or specific reason. He doesn't sound reason. like he's very sleepy on all of them. No. So, so even this is a weird. <laughs> even this is a weird one where it's like, well, what do you think about it? Well, I liked it so much. Yeah, right. It's still weird because now the next one we listen to, we're gonna have to be like. This is actually how he sings. But maybe we'll get another weird one. Right? I don't know, man. I know you you can't really hear King of France. But, I know. You love this. But the the bit you can't hear is so good. <laughs> I think the vocal quality is the same in that song, too, where he's just, like, slowly drolling out the words. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, something about that aesthetic, that, that euphony. That yeah. I, I well, I also think I think that you also see an, an open sea of possibilities when you get on the King of France because it just goes off into nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a song is a song. I mean, there's, like, a text that you have to deal with or not deal with. And that can be, 
you know, challenging if if it's just a song. Like, Don't You Try Me Now, we had all the lyrics for the most part. Yeah. There was not a lot to grapple with, whereas King of France, we it was endless talking about what could have been, you know, and I think that's part of it. And that's kind of the hard thing with the basement tapes is there's a lot of could have been's and a lot of ideas and a lot of things like that. So um, I'll close with one last idea, which is, again, we, we talk about this being in the summer of um, – of 1967 however clinton highland notes correctly that there are no exact dates for when this was done so he mused really quickly that there could there be a possibility that a lot of this and and the subject matter in particular um could be about the death of woody guthrie who died in october Hmm. of 1967 so he says and i'm going to quote him at length here quote whether this was written before october 3rd 1967 is unclear but Guthrie's death impacted Dylan. Just after he went to Nashville to record I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine, Drifter's Escape, and the Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, adopting the Western ballad like Guthrie for his most scathing critiques. But I would also say that this song, like instead of the VP or instead of Trump, why not put Woody Guthrie in there? I think that's also an interesting thing too. Like Woody Guthrie is dead. Are the clothes done? Mm. Come on in. Like what are you talking about? Who? What? What's a Woody Guthrie, you know? God damn it, Mom, you don't even understand Woody Guthrie's dead. What's the point anymore? <laughs> I mean, that's the way I'll feel when Bob... about the laundry? <laughs> well, when Bob Dylan's dead, like, I don't want to hear anybody be like, well, what's, what, what about Bob Dylan? Be like, fuck you. I'm going to go listen to every fucking Bob Dylan song for the rest of my life, and I don't want anyone to fucking talk to me. <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> rest of my life. Podcast over until I'm dead, and then I'll pick it back up. Right. No, but it's that's not a healthy way to go about it either. But I think it's definitely something that you're going to have to contend with when Bob Dylan dies. Like... You know, you're not torn up that Bob Dylan is dead. The world has lost Bob Dylan. Now, that's not going to mean the same thing to you as it does to me. True. And just like if the world lost someone you loved him and it wouldn't, you know, I might be sad, but it wouldn't mean the same. That's just human connection. And that's the hard part about being a humanist that you, the other person is not going to be a clone of you. And I think that's a case that's happening right here. The world's gone mad, but it hasn't gone mad for your mom. Have you heard the news? He said with a grin, the vice president's gone mad. Where downtown? When last night? Hmm, gee, that's too bad. Well, there's nothing we can do about it, said the neighbor. Just something we're gonna have to forget. Okay, so that is Clothesline Saga. <laughs> We are done. Any final thoughts on that at all? I debated putting this on my uh, Once Upon a Time in the West playlist, but I was like, I can't just be putting all these Bob Dylan vaguely Western songs on this playlist. Yeah, this one is like, I wouldn't, this, this is, doesn't have that Western feel. It, it Just the way the, the stride piano goes, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, got, yeah. it's got an element. It's True. got a saloony element that could, that, I could make an argument for it. You could, yeah. you could. I love that description. That like Garth comes in like oh this is gonna be fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck, we're just uh, okay. Going. Okay, <laughs> just have to keep going. Pretty great. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is the part of the episode where we shift gears a little bit. So we've obviously had this in our life for a week, but it's not the only thing that we do. We like other things as well. So Kelly, what else was in your week um, that we were listening to this song incessantly? Uh, Trent Reznor, I guess Nine Inch Nails, formerly, uh, 
new EP came out. Don't Atticus Ross is a real person. Now, I yeah. mean, look, <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Add Violence. It's got like six yeah. tracks on it. It's pretty Five. good. Five. I liked it. I liked it I mean, it, a lot. it could be like eight, nine. Yeah. Everything, everything stands the last track is pretty pretty great. So I would recommend that. Also, I started listening to a new podcast, mm. Like-Minded Friends, with two wonderful British queer people. And uh, like they just minded talk about friends? stuff. Yeah. They, they just talk about Talk stuff. about British stuff? They talk about their lives, mostly. And like they have a vague theme, but they basically just go off and talk. They're just really funny people. They're both comedians. So. That's nice. Yeah. If you guys have a podcast, you can always recommend us. I hear it's sign on the window. Talk about us. Talk talk about us. Talk to us about anything. Literally anything. Please talk to us. We're so lonely. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, this bunker <laughs> is really getting a bit stifling. Uh, I'm going to recommend a couple of things that we'll get into more in Mixed Up Confusion, which will come later in the week. But I want to recommend, first and foremost, Propagandi's Victory Lap. Not the album that comes out in September, but the song, Victory Lap. It fucking shreds. Uh, Nicole Atkins released a record called Goodnight Rhonda Lee that I cannot stop listening to and then I want to recommend a person just for being a person Oh, John Boyce (laughs) there is if you don't know who he is or have never followed his work on the internet it's time to rectify that immediately Um, yeah so instead of getting into stuff he just released an incredible I don't even know what to call it beyond a story Storyscape, I don't even know. Mixed media story. Masterpiece called 17. I've been trying to figure out the best way to say it because it does not roll off the tongue easily. Well, it's 17,776. That doesn't roll off the tongue easily. So I think 17,776. 776 works. 17,776. Yeah. Let's call it that. But otherwise, 17,776. Human beings have been alive for 15,000 years (laughs) and all they do is play football. It sounds amazing. It sounds stupid, but it's it's absolutely profound. And uh, if you want to know more about it, please just go read it. I don't know why you need anything else. But if you want to hear us talk about it, if you have heard it or want more of a recommendation, we will talk about it in next week's um, – or sorry, I'm sorry, this week's Mixed Up Confusion, which will be out on Thursday. Thursday. So keep uh, looking out for that. We are a real podcast, as we said. We are super lonely, and we just want human contact. Uh, you can hit us up at SOTWpod.com, SOTWpod on Twitter, Instagram. I've been Instagramming. I've done a couple Instagram stories. Um, the Pinterest still just has one photo from a couple weeks ago, so you never know. Stay there. Uh, Tumblr, SOTWpod. Literally everything. We just we throw stuff everywhere, uh, but Twitter is the best place to follow because it's the easiest one for me to just pop in and say stuff so and if you say something nice to us we'll read what you say and yeah we'll say your name and really. if you read something if you write something mean we'll also read it really I mean, well that's true but let's not incentivize that that's true and if you are a teenager it is oh god absolutely let's essential not. that you tell us that you are a teenager <laughs> so that when we read it we know to take even more harm in it <laughs> so we'll know that it was malicious yes and you have to end every sentence with skadoosh schmitty Schmitty, but yeah. Skadoosh is pretty good. It's pretty good. Skadoosh. Yeah. All right, so let's Skadoosh on over to the end of the show. I'm feeling really attacked right now. Favorite part? Favorite part for one of us. For me, it's just never ending scared. Scaredness. Uh, scared? I feel like you're probably more scared of the two of us, actually. I'm actually uh, terrified, yeah. <laughs> I mean, woogie boogie. I mean, I always get so hot. 
All right, so I'm starting to get hot too. Ooh, okay, oh so God. delete the row. 141 is off the board. Ooh, I thought I. Okay, 141 is off. Oh, it's hilarious. Black Diamond Bay is a song that was uh, when Clinton Highland was talking about this song. He was noting that Black Island Bay is a song just like this, only that one. He's a passive observer to the action, whereas in this one, Bob's an active observer. And they were one right after the other. Well, hey. Black Diamond Bay is the new 141. What do you know? What do you know? Crazy. Okay, so uh, one out of 520. Can you we... deleted the other one? You sure? Oh, yes. It's definitely deleted? Mm-hmm. 519. 366. Sorry. 519 is Alberta 1, 2, and 3, which we would have listened to three three songs, but it's like oh. a trilogy of songs, all from self-portrait. So that would have been three just knocked right <laughs> off. Um <laughs> So another self-portrait back into the muck in the mire. So actually, in this case right here, thank God. Thank God we're not going down that road. Usually your road is, is often better. Yeah, the Woogie true. Boogie. I liked Woogie Boogie. I enjoyed doing yeah. it. But it was uh, – you, you often don't know what you're going to do in that situation. I feel like when we get a song that I just don't know. It, but it also leaves it open to incredible possibilities. All right. So 366, I said? Sure. I don't remember. Look at the website. 366. All right. Ready? Yeah, are you? I am. I am. So this is our first Christian Bob. Oh, no. No, I, first is maybe a bit much. But this is from um, Slow Train Coming, 1979. I know that song. No. Yes, but that's the record. <laughs> and the song is called Man Gave Names to the Animals. Oh, your face. I don't really know what this. If you are excited about learning how pigs and giraffes and bears and dogs were named, what? In a silly rhymes. What? Get ready. <laughs> Get ready for some dumbass lyrics with some great production. Let's say that this is probably. Arguably one of Bob Dylan's slickest records. Sounds really good. But I'm going to hate this song. Th this song's hilarious. So there's going to be a lot to denote. What I want to know going uh, next week is he's going to give us some facts about these animals. I forget all the animals in question. I want to know A, how correct is Bob Dylan on a scale of 1 to 10? How much does he get right? B, Fun facts about them. Just fun facts about the animals. This so would be great. Yeah, it's going to be dogs. I think there's a dog in there, possibly a bear. I definitely know there's a pig. So we're just going to do animal facts. It's going to be Animal Corner. Sweet. So this is episode 23, a song I know Sign in the Window Nation is just, just Sign cannot, on the window nation. <laughs> cannot wait for. Oh, my God. You know, Shh. all I can it's think about is that Savage Garden song. I want to live like animals, careless and free, like animals. Well, that's going on the playlist. That's going on the playlist. <laughs> yeah, so next week is just animal theme playlist, episode 23. I'm actually really excited about it. This song is goofy. I don't think it's harmful. I don't think it's – but it, there's, a, there's a level of harmfulness that comes from later Bob Dylan where it just seems malice that it even exists in the world. Like crazy preachy? Yeah, not just preachy, but just like this is just abysmal. Like you hate what you're doing and why are you asking me to do this? Oh, okay. This is not that. There is a fervor with this record that's admirable. So there is, uh, there is something here that we can definitely attach ourselves to. 
I am very excited, actually. I'm, I'm talking myself into it. Hopefully, I've talked you into it out there. Sign on the window, Nation. Oh we will see you. No, I don't support it. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. See, actually, see you Thursday and fr- Friday for Game of Thrones. Oh, dear God. See you every day of the see week. See you Goodbye. every day. Great big furry bear